Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. So the uh, just a little bit about me in case, in case you, you're like, who is this guy? I'm probably, I, if you went deep into the podcast, I preached one time, and I think they're, they have an explicit, uh, explicit content on that one message, where they maybe bleep some stuff out, I don't know, it might not even be there anymore. Um, so it's taken a little while, they're like, alright, we think he's safe to maybe put him in there, we'll, we'll give it a go. So they're recording this, but they said, Scott, there's no guarantees that it's going to make it on a podcast. <laughs> I was like, all right. So uh, we, uh, my wife and I came from San Diego to here, so Salt Lake. But before that, I grew up in Detroit. So I'm a, and a little place some of you may have heard of, I don't know, it's called Eight Mile. Yeah, I grew up on Eight Mile, me and Eminem. It was like run, running those streets, Okay. You know, he went on to do some, you know, cool stuff, but, um, you know, he left me, left me far behind. So if I get a little ghetto or I get a little, <clears throat> it's because, it's because, you know, I went to a mostly black high school and, um, and, and just in all disclosure, in all honesty, I wanted to be black. All the cool kids were black. All the cool kids could play basketball. You know, the black kid. I'm like, oh man, I just want to be black, man. Why? So much so. You, the truth, the truth. So much so that there was this movie called, I don't know, Malcolm X. Anybody ever hear it? And there was this, this whole hat phenomenon where everybody's wearing this X on their hat. And, you know, and so, so me and my brother, we want the X hat. We hadn't even seen the movie, knew nothing about it. We just knew the cool kids had the X hat. And my mom was like, she looked at the price tag and she was like, I ain't buying that. So my mom was thrifty though. She was a sewer. And so she went, <clears throat> she went to, yo, she went to Joe's. Anybody know about Joe's? Joanne's? What? Joanne Fabrics? And she went to Joe's and she bought, she bought like a, a, a little X and a black hat. And she, she sewed me an X hat, okay? So I had a Malcolm X hat, and you know, and, and I would get looks. And I didn't know if it was because I was white wearing the X hat or if it was because they're like, man, I don't know if that thing's real. You know? <laughs> that looks like the bootleg, Scott. What? <laughs> so... I'm excited. We're in our new series, the Q&A series. And of course, uh, our pastor said, we want you to handle the hot topics. And so my first thought was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, and then I was thinking, I was like, I don't know if they're ready for that yet. <laughs> they might not be ready for that. So let me, let me we'll, we'll go a little tamer, but still, we'll still go there a little. So the, the title of my message tonight is called Scapegoats. And um, scapegoats is the idea in life that we, we place the blame somewhere else. 
we put it on somebody so that we don't have to take the blame. So instead of owning it, instead of taking responsibility, we, we say, oh, oh, no, 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 they were the ones. It's their fault. We'll put the blame on them. They're the scapegoat, right? <clears throat> but what's interesting is the second definition, as I was looking up the definition of scapegoat, is actually biblical. So in Leviticus 16... All right, the scapegoat was actually a goat <laughs> that they would, that the priest would put the sins of the people on and then kick it out, send it into the desert. And they would, two goats, one, uh, not as lucky. <laughs> one got slaughtered, the other at least got sent out. But, um, so the reason I want to talk about this, because each of these questions might seem like, what do they have to do with each other? But all of them have a, an onus. All of them have a moment where there's a personal responsibility or there's a shifting of blame. And so, <clears throat> you know, there's a, a little quote uh, from a, a movie. It's called Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility, right? We've heard it. Uh, a couple months ago, I, was, I don't know whether I was on Twitter or Instagram or something, I saw this little little quote. It said, with little power comes little responsibility. And I laughed because I was like, wow, that's how some people live their lives, right? Some people were like, what can I do? I don't have any power, so I guess I'm not responsible for much, right? And so um, we as Christians can fall into that same trap, Oh, I'm not as funny as that guy, or oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not as good looking, or I don't have as, I'm not, I don't sing as well, right? And we can, we can abdicate responsibility because somebody else has it better than us, right? And then we can, we can play, we can blame God and be like, God, if you really wanted me to, you would have gave me better talent for this, right? So. <clears throat> All right, so the first question, is drinking alcohol permitted at Awaken? Ooh. Out of the gate, right? Now, I had to call Pastor Jurgen on this because I wasn't sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jurgs, will you put the glass of wine down? I need to ask you a question. Um, <clears throat> so, I grew up in a Christian home and in, in a... Uh, charismatic uh, home where we were very much, you didn't drink alcohol. My mom was a little cheeky. She would drink in O'Doul's, okay? She'd be like, I just want, I just want, I just want the sip, the taste on my tongue. Um, but uh, so, so that's the kind of home I grew up in. We, we didn't really do alcohol. And then, um, I got into my teenage years, and I got a little rebellious, and let's just say I started drinking alcohol. So I was never the kind of, I wasn't a social drinker. I drank to get drunk, okay? That was my purpose. I didn't drink because I was like, ooh, this tastes good, the bittery hops. I was like, no. <clears throat> I, it was how fast, how quickly can I ingest this alcohol to feel a buzz, and so when I was 18 and I had an encounter with God and a, a, a whole, another time, another story, my testimony, I'll share it with you guys and it might get kicked off of um, podcasts again. But 
I had a moment where everything shifted and everything that I knew that I wasn't doing, supposed to be doing right, I just 180. I quit drugs. I quit alcohol. I quit girls. I quit my friends. I quit like everything. And I went wholly after Jesus. And so I never picked up another you know, alcohol since then. I actually um, started going to college for engineering and then felt the call to ministry and went to Bible school. And my Bible school is very much like a, a revival, intense type school where there was no drinking there. So it was never an issue. And so then I moved to San Diego and uh, <clears throat> I get a part of this church. It was called C3 at the time. And, um, and it was it was amazing because I had never seen a church so relevant but powerful. I had never seen a church that, that, that could fuse the two. That like there, I had been in a lot of churches in my life where, I, if I can be honest, I didn't want to invite anybody to church. I didn't want to have to make up a reason why we were there for three or four hours. <laughs> or I didn't want to have to make up a reason why that person was waving flags through the air. Or, and so <clears throat> when I came to San Diego and I found this church, I was like, wow, I actually want to bring people to this church. Because I know that there's going to be some questions, but I know that they're going to feel the power and presence of God. And so... <clears throat> And so then, then you would hang out outside of church and, and you'd, you know, go, go to somebody's house and all of a sudden they're, they're pouring wine and they're having a beer and, and all of a sudden my, the little religious, the good religious boy, right? We don't drink alcohol, pastor, yes? That, that guy came out and, and, and I began to like, oh, all right, I see a flag here. I need to, I need to keep my eye on this. I'm going to be watching now. Oh, how many is that? Was that? Oh, is that your second? Second? Okay, second, second one. All right, all right, all right. And so when I first came, I kind of had this, this little bit of religiosity on me that said, hey, alcohol, man, you know where that leads. That, you know, you're going to wind up homeless on the streets in the gutter, brother. That's where it leads. Um. But then I began, as, as, I, as I spent more time with, with Pastor Jurgen, as I spent more time with the, the team that was the pastors there, I was like, wow, wait a second. They're not doing a beer, beer stand, a beer keg. They're not, keg stand, is that what that is? They're not doing a keg stand. What? They're actually exhibiting moderation. And it started to mess with my, my head because I, I would see the power and presence of God, and then I would see this, and I couldn't reconcile it. I said, ah, what is, wait, what is going on? It's like, shouldn't that be a disqualifier? And so it, it had me personally go through and re revisit some of these scriptures, because the Bible, if I can be honest with you, can actually be a little confusing in this, right? So let me read a couple verses to you. Ecclesiastes 9.7 says, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. 1 Timothy 5.23, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Then in John 2, I won't read this whole scripture here for the sake of time, 
But Jesus had to go and do a thing. His first miracle, he had to go turn water into wine? What? Wait a second. It messes with your religious thinking, right? Wait a second. Well, no, you don't understand, Pastor Scott. He, um, he, he, it was new wine, and new wine was just grape juice. And, and I'm like, man, did you read this? Because these, these people were wine drinkers, and they could tell the difference between the good stuff and the bad stuff. And they were, their minds were blown because they said most people bring out the bad stuff after a time being and just let the people drink because they've ever drank too much. You bring out the best stuff and save it for last? I, did, did Jesus cause the people to stumble that day? I don't know, right? So, here, so the, those are a few scriptures that kind of point to let's, let's permit it, right? So then you have... The other side of things. <clears throat> like I said, this is confusing. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 23, 31, 32, Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. But wait, Jesus, Jesus knew that scripture, didn't he? He should have known that scripture, right? Proverbs 31, 4 through 5 says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. So is the Bible confused? Is it contradicting itself right now? Is the Bible schizophrenic? Can't make up its mind? So maybe it's not a question of either or, which is right or wrong, but, but actually both and. That the Bible at the same time can be pro-drinking or anti-drinking and also pro-sobriety. Because what happens is, is if you look at most things, most things that it comes down to is moderation, right? If I go to Ruth Chris and I decide to eat everything, I'm eating that whole steak, now all the mashed potatoes, all the green beans. I was full two hours ago and I'm still eating. Bring the dessert. And, and then I think I'm going to go home and be like, baby, you feel frisky, right? <laughs> nope. I just want to roll over and go to bed. Right? Because I'm so stuffed. I'm so full. There was a point where I should have stopped, and I didn't. And what is that called? Well, gluttony, right? It's called gluttony. It's one of the seven deadly sins. Gluttony. Right? Um, and so the same thing with drinking. It's okay to drink. It's not okay to get drunk. You know, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ooh, we might go somewhere later with that. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.23-24. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. 
So if I can answer this question without somebody getting offended, I would say that the Bible is pro-drinking, anti-drunkenness. That at some point we have to use a little bit of self-control and we have to say enough is enough. You know, and sometimes people will... We'll say, well, doesn't the Bible say that Paul said, you know, if anything causes my brother to stumble, that, uh, that I'll, I'll never do it again, right? Well, the, here's the reality, and, and this is where I kind of disagree with Paul in that, like, if, if that have that mindset, there's probably something that every single one of you would be offended by. And so I, I can't do any of that anymore. It's like, oh. Uh, I'll never look at another TV. I'll never read another book that's not uh, the Bible. I'll never have another drink that's not water. I'll never uh, eat more than a half a portion at this place. I will never go to McDonald's again, and, right? And, and you will live a life that is so confined, so the opposite of what Jesus came to do, right? He said, I came to give life and life abundantly. And living in this closed place where you're just, I can't do anything because that might offend somebody. Right? I can't speak truth because that could offend somebody. Right? We can't have them. We, we, we love our brother and we will go to a place where we will lay down our lives for them. But if we live our lives at the fear of every time somebody could possibly be offended, we're going to live a small, shallow life. And so, <clears throat> but, that, but that's how at the same time you could, you could be with your pastors at a dinner having uh, a glass of alcohol or a glass of wine, and also we have a wake-in recovery. Because it's not either or, but it's both and. And, and we want to love you where you're at. And we're not going to make a hard line that says, no alcohol for anybody, because that one person or that two person, or we're not going to say, everybody, you need a drink, right? Because even still now, I don't really like the taste. <laughs> Unless you're like, it's a Mike's Hard Lemonade, and I'm like, it tastes good. I could drink this. But, but sometimes I, I have this weird Irish, or I don't even know what it is, where it's like, I get red-faced. And so it's like, I'll have a sip of some, a hard drink, and it's like, my wife will look at me, she's just, you're getting red and blotchy, you're getting red. I'm like, I don't need that. I live I lived too long without the alcohol, I'm good. I'm good. All right, is that, is that good? Are we, we're okay? We're still friends? All right, question two. Why do we talk about politics so much? You know that people have left our church because we're too political, right? Aren't we trying to reach people for Jesus? Why don't we just talk more about Jesus? We don't have to talk about politics. Well, I'll tell you, here's the thing is, there's, there's two kind of politics. We're not going to get into the ticky-tacky. We're not going to get into... Um, should we build another stoplight at the intersection and expand the road? We're not going to get into those kind of politics, right? I, I don't care, right? That, 
Somebody else who's passionate about the road size, let them deal with it. Where we will get political, though, is when it comes to what the Word of God says. When it comes to the truth, when it comes to a shifting of a culture of a nation away from God, that's when we're going to get political. And it's not because we want to offend you. We want you to leave the church. That's quite the opposite. Nobody wants you to leave you. Nobody wants you to leave the church. In fact, we want you to wrestle with these, these deep questions. Hopefully you can get the answers and hopefully you can find some growth or experience that's going to shift what's happening in your heart and your mind. Whether you get agitated. Okay, Pastor Matt's talking about politics again. I saw his Insta story. He reposted from this person. <sighs> right? Politics cut to the core of our beliefs. Politics, it's, but it's meant to be the will of the people, right? But sometimes the will of the people doesn't happen. The majority of the people believe one way, but the people that are loudest on either end are usually the ones that are, are shifting things. Because the people in the middle, the majority, they're the ones that are usually like, oh, I'm just not into politics. And that's how we find ourselves in the, where we're at in our current state and culture. It's because we abdicated some responsibility, and then we put the blame on, it's though that political party. Oh, it's them, right? But where were you when the polls were happening? Where were you when making your voice heard? You know, so a, a little funny story. Whoo, little funny story. So I just started dating my wife, right? And she was so cute. Uh, she's still so beautiful. I love you, baby. Um, but I'll be at, I had some reservations. She was a California girl, man. You can't trust those California girls. They're undeniable. Fine, fresh, fierce, right? <laughs> and so she was cute. We met at church. That's a good start, right? Uh, but then one day, I was like, well, what do you believe politically? And she was, all of a sudden, she kind of clammed up a little. She was like, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? And I'm like, I'm like, uh-oh. Is this the deal breaker? Is this where I'm going to find out she's a bleeding heart liberal? Ooh. <clears throat> my body, my choice. Um, and she's like, well, why don't, you, why don't you tell me what you believe or, or your political views and I'm like okay and I just started going through and I was like man I believe in the sanctity of life and I, I believe this and I believe that and and I believe this and then at the end I'm looking at her she's like yeah I believe all that stuff too and I was like oh awesome okay <laughs> we'll go to the next step <laughs> we'll meet your parents <laughs> All right, that was intense, though, too. <laughs> it's another story for another day, right? <laughs> um, so Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. <sighs> here's, here's, here's the thing is, 
I believe that God honors authority. But there are things that our leaders can do or have done that are not honorable. And, and it's the same way with a, a parent, right? God's, one of the first commandment with a promise was honor your mother and father, right? Honor them, but they left me when I was two years old. I haven't seen my father sober in 15 years. Or uh, my mother is out <laughs> partying in the clubs every night. How can I honor that? Right? Honor comes from honoring that position, not because of their, their, um, what they're demonstrating or their actions, right? Because we all do actions that are unhonorable. And so we're, we're going to honor and pray for our leaders, right? But how much better would it be, though, if the leaders that were in place were actually honorable. How much would it be, how much better would it be if those leaders that were in place were promoting kingdom values, that were, were, were a, a kingdom agenda, right? The, the Bible says that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. And so um, Psalm thirty-three, twelve says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Man, I want to be a blessed nation. And I think this nation has been blessed. And the reason it's been so blessed is because for so long it's been built on Christian values. And so we're getting farther and further away from that. Um, but there has to come a people who, who will say, um, I'm not going to abdicate I'm not going to be non-political because I don't want to offend somebody that are going to say, I'm going to bring the truth, but I'm going to bring the truth in love because I want to see people set free. I want to see this nation blessed. I want to see God rule and reign in this country. All right? So before I go to the next verse, quick side note. Did you guys know that God, God's name is Howard? Did you know that? Not everybody knows that. You guys have the video? I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you. I'm going to prove Talking it. Talking about, Dad. God's name. What is God's name? Howard. How do, you know, how do you know God's name is Howard? Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> I don't know his last name. <laughs> Is it Wisner? <laughs> so, our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. That can't argue with that, right? I love the look he gives her like, are you stupid? Of course it's Howard. <laughs> right? So Matthew 6, 9, 10 says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait, I did that pointed, right? We are called to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. 
And we can't do that if we keep putting our head in the sand or we're afraid to, to get political or we're afraid that we might offend somebody. We can't do that, people. If we want to see this nation continue to be blessed, we have to speak up. We have to have a voice, right? Come on, come on. Woo. All right. Yeah. Let's go, Howard. <laughs> yeah, not let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Howard. <laughs> All right. How are we doing here? We're doing good. That ticker. All right. Ooh, got to move up. All right. Third question. Why do we speak in tongues? Couldn't we reach a bigger audience if we just weren't that little weird, right? <laughs> couldn't, we, couldn't we find ourselves reaching more people if we didn't have to, to answer that question and be like, well, you're going to hear some funny words coming out of people's mouth. <laughs> and, that, and that is the truth. There are people that believe that way. And I will tell you that it is tr possibly true that we might be a bigger church if we, if we weren't those, uh, those speaking in tongue Christians. If we weren't, damn, th this thing could be bigger. But at the same time, we'd be a lot powerless. We'd be the kind of people that, that, that have a good talk. That have, look at me, I'm not special. Hello, greetings and salutations, brother. Our cooking class is on the third floor today. <laughs> but here's the thing is, when Jesus wanted to change the world, he didn't need the thousands that were following him around. He needed 12 that were filled with the power and presence of God. And in fact... He said, don't go until you receive that power. Until you receive that power, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to do anything. Did you know this? This is something that I, maybe, maybe everybody knew this. I didn't even realize this until earlier this year that Jesus didn't do any miracles. He didn't do none. You can go through the Gospels and look. He didn't do any miracles until he received power from on high. Till he was baptized and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And the dove descended upon him. The Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. Then, every single gospel, then he was drawn into the desert. But then he, when he came back, he's doing miracles. And so, why do we need power? Right? The definition of power is possession of control, authority. That's a pretty awesome song we sing. Or influence over others. Jesus wanted us to possess that. That, that we would not just go with nice words and a, and a handshake. I'm praying for your brother. No, we're going to pray right now in the middle of the mall. And we're going to believe for your legs to move again. 
We're going to believe for that sickness to be removed. We're going to believe for that family member to come back home. Because we don't pray as people that just are really hopeful and wish. We pray as ones that have power and authority, as ambassadors of heaven in this place. Come on. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And some people will say, well, that was for them. Because they needed, they needed that extra boost to get started in the beginning. But, but now we've got good theology, right? We've got such good theology that we don't really necessarily need the power. We have amplification with our voices through radio and television. We can get God's word out there, right? It's a lie. We need the Holy Spirit. We need power. So Acts 2, 38, 39 says... Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and your children, to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord is going to call, as all, this gift can be for you. That you don't have to do it powerless that you don't have to do it all on your own, that you can actually step into a kingdom authority and a kingdom power that you didn't get from working out in a gym. The power team, now I got power. No. I don't, you could be 90 pounds wet wearing boots and walk in kingdom authority and power and demons will tremble at your feet. You'll walk into a place and, and people will start manifesting. They're getting angry. What is, why? I just walked in the room. Why are they getting so angry? It's because you carry power. Because you carry the Holy Spirit. Luke 19, 11, or Luke 11, 9 through 13 says, So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For who, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him an, a serpent instead of that fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you if you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? It's yours for the taking. Just as salvation is a free gift, so is the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can walk in that. And so, as we're in this place, I know many of us, it's Wednesday night. This is a faithful few, right? This is the hungry people. This is the people that are excited to see God move, that want something more, that say, ah, Sunday ain't enough. I, I need to get that Wednesday too. Come on. Right? But there are some people in this room that you're newer. 
There are some people in this room who say, well, Scott, actually, I have prayed for it, and I just didn't get it. I believe you have got it. You just haven't activated it yet. Because what happens is when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that you begin to edify your spirit. You start going into God's gym in the spirit. Woo, you're getting ripped, getting those veins popping, right? Not the kind that people will look and see on the outside, but the kind that demons will tremble when you walk into a room. The kind that when you walk into a hospital and somebody's dying of cancer and you've got what the Bible says is a little bit of mustard seed faith. Man, I've seen God do this before. You, are we going to do this again? Let's do it. We're going to start praying. We're going to start believing. We're going to start activating the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, so people will be like, oh, my work is so hard. Are you praying in the tongues every day before you go into work? Are you unleashing heaven in that place? Or do you, or do you respond in the flesh when that hard time comes at your work? Well, thanks, Susan. I, I, my, I love my mother. And, and she is not an easy woman. She will tell you that. She knows that. She's probably going to listen to this and be like, you were talking about me a lot. But she actually, she shared with me a couple weeks ago that she said she had such a conviction because she's a Christian, spirit-filled Christian, loves Jesus. And she said, Scott, there's, there's non-Christians that, at my work that sometimes exemplify better behavior than me. And she said, I'm the Christian. I'm the spirit-filled one. That shouldn't be. And it was a real conviction for her. And that could be you in this room tonight. You say, wow. And if that's the case, I would say that there's some things that happen. You've got some bitterness flowing, or you've got some hurts, or you're angry, or you're frustrated, or there's some stress on. But it's time. Let's, let's, let's get past these things. Let's push through these things. Let's activate the Holy Spirit in your life to reveal the source of these things so that that isn't the case. That you won't go into your work and say the non-Christian <laughs> exemplifies a Christian more than me. Nobody's going to out love me. Nobody's going to out um, give me. Nobody's going to out uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, if anybody's going to be the one that's blessing people, loving on people, uh, giving to people, they're going to, and that they'll know they are Christians by their love, it should be the Christian. <clears throat> so, um, if everybody, I, just, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes right now. We're just going to move into a moment where shift this service. And, um, and you could, you know, you might be asking yourself, Scott, uh, I, I, I don't know where I am with my relationship with God. I've actually don't even have a relationship with God. But I want one. I want to experience him. I want to experience this power that you're talking about. I want to experience this love that you're commenting on. I want to know it. I want it to set me free. So with nobody looking around, if that's you in this place tonight, 
and you say, Scott, I want to know Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just do something brave and raise your hand? Raise your hand in this place. Nobody's looking around. I see it. I see that hand. You can put it down once I've acknowledged you. Is there anybody else? Maybe you're far from God. I see that hand. I see that hand. Maybe you haven't heard his voice in a long time. Maybe you've been running, but you're sick of running and you want to experience his presence in your life again. You want to experience that joy that you once had. Thank you, Jesus. So right now, I'm going to just have everybody stand. And there was a couple of you out there. And we're going to pray a prayer right now. And we're all going to do it together. Because we believe that you don't have to do this alone. That we're going to fight with you. We want to fight for you. And there, I had some people out in the crowd. They, they saw you lift your hand. They might approach you afterwards. But would everybody repeat after me this prayer? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins, for washing me clean, for changing my life. Come into my heart. Make me new. Let me experience your presence again or for the first time. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on. Come on. That's the greatest miracle. That is. It's the greatest miracle. And so, um, like I said, for those, those that raised their hands, somebody's going to come find you afterward. They, wanna, they have a, a book. It's called The Bible. They want to share it with you. They got two books, a Following Jesus book, that's going to kind of show you a little bit of a blueprint on how to, to read your Bible or how to do this Christian life so that you're not doing it alone. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to end this night without, I, I, I talked up the Holy Spirit a lot. <laughs> And I want to end this night with you experiencing that. I want you to walk away with this night with a, with a new prayer language, to be able to speak in tongues, to know that you've received it. Maybe you've prayed it before. And so if that's you in this place and you say, Pastor Scott, I want the Holy Spirit. I want this power that you're talking about. If, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something brave. I want you to come down right to this altar right now. And we're going to pray and believe for you to experience. Let me get We're going to pray for you to believe and experience the Holy Spirit for yourself. Come on. Come on. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Is there anybody else? You say, Pastor Scott, I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't speak in tongues, but I want it. If that's you in this place... Just come down. Come I'm believing tonight is your night. Tonight is your night where you're going to get it. Because what, what the scripture said, it said, it said, ask, seek, knock. It said, 
if you ask for it, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's gonna give it to you. Now, the biggest obstacle right now is probably your head. It's probably your mind. Because the devil's gonna, he's gonna lie to you. He's gonna be like, you're just making that up. No, 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 no. That's not really the Holy Spirit, right? So the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies that I believed growing up, growing up in a charismatic church, was that in order for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you had to feel this thing come over you, and you couldn't stop speaking in tongues. And I love Pastor Jurgen's testimony about he was over in the corner for two hours. But the truth is, that's actually kind of rare. In most cases, you might not feel anything. But what's going to happen is when you ask for it, you received it. But what you're going to have to activate is your own tongue, your own mouth, your own lips, your own breath to begin to speak out. And it might just sound like a syllable or two, like a baby talking. Da-da. If that's all that comes, then keep speaking it out. If that's the only thing that comes, you keep speaking that out. But I guarantee you, it's not going to take you a couple of years to learn how to speak. It comes with an urgency. It's going to come quicker than you think. You're going to be praying in your new prayer language. And you're going to unlock this thing that's going to begin to shift things in your life. That when you read the Bible, it's going to open up to you in ways that you haven't seen before. That when you start praying for people and you're praying in tongues over them, you know, oftentimes I don't pray for my wife in English because I I just run out of things to say too often. But I'll picture her in my mind and I'll start praying in tongues. And what I know has happened is your spirit is praying the perfect will of the Father into that situation or for that person or in for whatever it is you're praying. Because all it is is God needs somebody to use their words, their mouth, their lips to begin to speak out. That's how creation starts. That's how creation started. When people began to speak. And so when you start speaking in tongues, you're going to begin to feel that power coming. All right, so we're going to pray, and I want you guys to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for the finished work of the cross. I thank you that you said I could have your Holy Spirit, that I could have power in my life. So right now, I ask you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit that I would receive power that I would speak in new tongues in Jesus your name we pray amen all right so there's gonna be a little bit of roar in the crowd from the the tongue speakers but you're about to roar too so when I count down from three you're gonna begin to use your own mouth your own tongue and you're gonna begin to speak out And whatever sounds begin to come out, I don't want you talking in English. I don't want you praying in English. Whatever sounds begin to come out, you speak that out. And let's unlock this thing right now. Been long enough. This is your first time or this is the hundredth time you asked for. It's been long enough. Three. You ready? Two. Come on, Holy Spirit. One. Begin to speak out and pray in tongues. Come on, there it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. 
You're praying, you're speaking. Your own words, your own tongue, your own mouth. Don't listen to the lie that you're making it up. Don't listen to the lie that you're making it up. You're not making it up. You speak out what God gives you. More will come. Let the flow of heaven, as it begins to pour out, let it pour out of their mind. Let it pour out of their, their tongue right now in the name of Jesus. That this prayer language is going to begin to unlock things that they've never thought possible. Lord God, that, that where they felt weak and powerless to overcome certain situations, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to shift it right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Shout out. Come on, you got it. There it is. There it is. There it is. You're speaking it out. Come on. Come on. Whatever it is, begin to speak it out. Come on. Don't listen to the lie. That, don't listen to the lie. You're, come on. There it is. There it is. There it is. You've got it. 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 Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. All right, everybody, I want you to look up at me. Who felt something? Did you feel something? You feel something? Come on. You. I don't even care if you did feel something. I told you, you might not feel anything. Didn't I? I said, you might not feel anything. But there's a voice that's trying to say, you're making this up. You didn't really get it. You're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it. It's a lie from the pit of hell, Lonnie. Because the devil knows that when you get real power, you're a force to be reckoned with. A force to be reckoned with, Lonnie. You're big now, but wait till the devil gets a load of you in the spirit. Come on, do you feel anything? Uh, come on. Here's the thing is you asked for it. You asked for it. You received it. So know that. I have a homework assignment for all of you. You're going to go home and you're going to get alone with Jesus and you're going to begin to thank him for baptizing you in your Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. I just know the freedom that comes when you receive this free gift. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.